Good morning, Northfield. My name is Micah. Welcome here, if you're visiting. In Revelation chapter 5, as Tim read earlier, uh, the Apostle John has a vision into heaven, and he sees Jesus seated on the throne holding a scroll that's sealed with seven seals. And as John sees this, he begins to weep over the realization that no one is worthy to open the scroll. So one of the 24 elders surrounding the throne, he comforts John, saying, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time here. Thank you for this season where 2,000 years ago you gave the most precious gift ever, the gift of your son. And as we as we think of him during this Advent season in his coming to earth, we thank you that he's the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David that he has conquered. That gives us hope. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered. That one line is the main passage for today's entire sermon. In the early morning hours of April 15th, 1912, the luxury ocean liner, the Titanic, had just hit an iceberg. This brand new ship that was considered unsinkable was now sinking. There were two other ships nearby. The closest one was another British vessel called the Californian. It was only 10 miles away, and on this clear, cloudless night, the crew of the Californian could see the lights of the Titanic. They witnessed seven flares shot up from the sinking ship. But their radio operator was already asleep, it was late, and they didn't bother to wake him up to see if there were any distress calls coming over the radio. When members of the crew woke up their captain to tell him about the flares, his response was that they shouldn't do anything until morning because the Californian had already slowed down to a crawl for fear of icebergs. They weren't even sure whether the flares they saw were actually distress flares or signal flares, and so the captain went back to bed. The second ship nearby, the Carpathia, was also a British passenger liner. They were almost 60 miles from the Titanic and sailing away from her when they heard the distress calls over the radio. They also knew about the icebergs in the area. They had no more capabilities than the Californian ship did. They were nowhere near close enough to offer any real assistance. But the second the captain of the Carpathia was made aware of the distress calls coming from Titanic, he said, turn the ship around. It would take Carpathia nearly four hours to get to Titanic, which had by that time already sunk. But the crew of the Carpathia managed to pick up every single survivor that was still alive. 706 people were rescued because of the courage of Carpathia's captain and crew. Courage is the willingness to do what's right instead of what's easy. That's what courage is. It's choosing right over easy. The Californian chose easy, 
It was easy to not come to the Titanic's rescue. There were icebergs around. It was the middle of the night. It was easy to ignore the sinking ship that was 10 miles away, too far away to hear the screams. And as a result, the captain of the Californian would spend the rest of his life accused of and haunted by his cowardice. The captain of the Carpathia, however, he was courageous. He was much farther away, not in in a good position to help, but he chose right instead of easy. He was courageous. Two weeks ago, we learned that Jesus is humble. When Doug preached from Philippians 2, Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Last week, Brady focused on the truth that Jesus is approachable. He preached from Mark chapter 5 and Jesus' response to an unclean woman who, according to Jewish custom, she should not have come anywhere near Jesus. But his response to her was to call her daughter. He lovingly assured her, saying, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Today we're going to look at the fact that Jesus is courageous. Jesus always chooses to do what is right instead of what is easy. And then next week, Rick plans to wrap up this series on Christmas Eve that Jesus was unexpected. That's our Advent series that we're in the middle of right now. Jesus is humble. Jesus is approachable. Jesus is courageous. And Jesus was unexpected. Today's sermon, Jesus is courageous. The lion of the tribe of Judah, has the root of David, has conquered. The context of this passage shows our Savior up in heaven, seated on his throne just prior to his second coming. But it is the description of our Lord Jesus that I'm going to focus on today. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has conquered. Jesus comes from a long line of courage. He was of the tribe of Judah. Both Matthew and Luke trace his genealogy to the tribe of Judah through the lines of both Mary and Joseph. But if you think back to the book of Genesis, more time is devoted to Judah's cowardice than his courage. Judah's the one who came up with the idea to sell his brother Joseph to the Ishmaelites. He sold his own brother to a group of strangers in the wilderness who then brought Joseph to Egypt and sold him as a slave. If courage is doing what's right over what's easy, that certainly was no display of courage. Later, Judah again chose easy instead of right, When he went into town and slept with a prostitute, he had no idea that the girl he slept with was actually his own daughter-in-law because she had disguised herself. And the reason that she had disguised herself was because Judah had earlier lied to her, telling her to wait for his younger son to grow up so he could marry her after she was twice widowed by his older sons. Judah does not seem to be a profile in courage. He often chose what was easy, Instead of what's right. 
But listen to the blessing that his father Jacob pronounced over him. In Genesis 49, just before Jacob dies, he calls his 12 sons over to him, the 12 tribes of Israel, and he proceeds to curse his oldest son, Reuben, for Reuben's past indiscretions. Then he curses his next two sons, Simeon and Levi, for the violence that they displayed earlier in their lives. But when he gets to his fourth son, Judah, Jacob makes no mention of Judah's failures. Instead, he gives only blessings. He says, Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion and as a lioness. Who dares rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. In his blessing, Jacob told Judah that his brothers will praise him. He called Judah a lion, and he said, The scepter shall not depart from Judah. In other words, Israel's kings would all come from Judah's line. Of all of his sons, why would Jacob bless Judah? Why not bless the firstborn son, Reuben? That's the traditional way of doing it. Or if you're not going to do that, why not bless his favorite son, Joseph? Joseph was an amazing man. He deserved the blessing. Why bless Judah? Because something had happened to Judah years earlier, after he was made aware that the prostitute he had slept with was actually his daughter-in-law. Judah had a moment of realization and repentance. His response was, she is more righteous than I. Because he saw how wicked he had been toward her. He realized that he was a coward, choosing easy instead of right. And he repented. Later on, when a famine forced the brothers to go, by, to, go to Egypt to buy food, Judah had done a complete 180. Instead of betraying his own brother into slavery like he had done to Joseph... He now pledged his own life into slavery as a substitute for his brother Benjamin. Judah had made a pledge to his father Jacob that he would bring Benjamin back to him no matter what. And so when Joseph in Egypt tested his brothers by arresting them and demanding that Benjamin stay in Egypt while the rest of them could go, Judah stood up and he said, let me remain instead of my brother." Because God had transformed Judah from coward to courageous. He now chose to do what was right instead of what was easy. Jesus comes from a long line of courage. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. The root of David David was a profile in courage. His whole life was one act of courage after another. As a shepherd boy, he killed both lions and bears, risking his life to protect the sheep. He was the youngest of eight brothers, and when he went to check on his older brothers who were fighting the Philistines in Saul's army, 
David was incensed over the Philistine giant who taunted not only God's people, but also God himself. This kid who couldn't even fit into a grown man's armor. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? His older brothers told him to shut up, stop talking smack. But when King Saul sent for David, David said, your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And he did. While the biggest and strongest of Israel's soldiers stayed back in fear, David took his slingshot, grabbed five smooth stones from a brook, and went straight up to Goliath. Where did he get this kind of courage? I mean, David was either really stupid or else he knew something that others didn't know. David said to Goliath, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. David knew something most of us forget. He knew that God would crush Goliath. He knew that God is sovereign. So David didn't just volunteer to fight the giant. David ran toward the giant with a courage that was rooted in God's sovereignty. And he took a little stone and he put it in his little slingshot and he he slung it into the giant's big head and he killed him. David didn't even have a sword with him. So he took Goliath's sword out of its sheath, and he cut off Goliath's head and brought it to Saul. David's courage became legendary. The women all sang about it. They sang, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands, which made Saul upset because David was still popping his zits, but the women were praising him more than they were praising Saul. So Saul spent years trying to kill David out of jealousy. And David spent those same years fleeing from Saul. Not because David lacked courage, but because David possessed reverence for God and respect for God's anointed king. Even when David had chances to kill Saul, he refused because courage is doing what's right instead of what's easy. When David became king, he conquered one enemy after another. He defeated the Philistines, the Moabites, the Syrians, the Edomites, the Ammonites, the Amalekites. God's word tells us the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. David was a man after God's own heart. He was a shepherd, a musician, a poet, a giant killer, a warrior. He was Israel's greatest king. He was courageous. David also committed adultery and murder, though. Not every moment of his life was marked with courage. He didn't always deal with his family in the right way. He was an imperfect Messiah, anointed by God to rule over his people for a time. But he would usher in a perfect Messiah, anointed by God to rule over his people forever. God made a promise to David 
saying, your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Jesus comes from a long line of courage. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David who has conquered. He's the lion. Lions are courageous. Lions are aggressive. Lions devour. They're at the top of the food chain. Lions are king. Jesus is the lion. But wait a minute, wasn't Jesus the lamb? Wasn't this lamb born in a stable where lambs are supposed to be born? He was also a lion, tracked down by kings who traveled hundreds of miles to worship him. These kings came with gifts fit for a king. They came with gold, frankincense, and myrrh, because not even kings would dare approach a lion empty-handed. But he was a lamb. I mean, John the Baptist called him the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world just before he baptized him. He was also the lion who right after he was baptized was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And three times the devil offered him the easy way out. Three times Satan offered to make it easy for Jesus to have his greatest desires met. And three times our lion showed courage. He chose to do what was right instead of what's easy. But wasn't he the humble lamb who welcomed all people to him? Didn't he in the early part of his ministry tell Nicodemus that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life? He did say that right after this lion had made a whip out of some cords and drove out all the people selling animals in the temple, overturning their tables and pouring out all the coins of the money changers, saying, do not make my father's house a house of trade. It was easy to make money in the temple court selling animals for sacrifice. It was easy also to ignore the fact that they were making a profit at the expense of God's people. It was convenient. It worked. Jesus chose courage. He chose to do what was right instead of what was easy. But wasn't he the healing lamb, devoting his time and energy to bring healing to all who came to him? When the leper came to him and said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean, didn't Jesus reach out to him saying, I will be clean? He was also the lion who healed not just when it was pleasant, but also when it was offensive. Right after rebuking the Pharisees, telling him the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, Jesus went straight into the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he looked at the Pharisees and approached a man with a shriveled hand, and he said, as he looked at the Pharisees, it says, with anger, Grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he healed them. Because our lion is courageous. He does what's right instead of what's easy. But isn't Jesus the righteous lamb who casts out demons? 
Didn't he cross the Sea of Galilee to free two demon-possessed men and bring them hope? He's also the fearless lion who, while crossing the sea, when the storm got so great that even his tough fisherman disciples were cowering in fear, the lion was sleeping through it all. And when they awoke him, he got up and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. The lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered. He doesn't just rule over the spiritual realm. He rules over the physical realm. Even the winds obey him. But isn't Jesus the compassionate lamb who couldn't bear to send 5,000 of his listeners home hungry? So he fed them all from just five loaves and two fish? He's also the lion who boldly told these same people after they came to him the next day looking for another free lunch. He said, truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Tough words. It would have been easy for the God of the universe to simply feed them again. He'd have been the rock star. They'd have loved him for it. But Jesus rarely did what was easy, and he always did what was right, because courage is choosing right over easy. But Jesus was the harmless lamb, wasn't he? Even the children came to him without any fear at all. Even after the disciples would rebuke them, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. He was also the lion, telling his followers, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Because as a man of courage, he calls his followers, he calls you and me to have courage. He calls us to do what's right, not what's easy. But he's the peaceful lamb of God who entered Jerusalem riding a donkey, a symbol of peace. The crowds loved it. They shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's also the lion, who as soon as he entered Jerusalem, he cleansed the temple for the second time. He drove out all the buyers and sellers, and he overturned the tables of the money changers, saying, my house shall be called a house of prayer but you make it a den of robbers. It would have been easy for Jesus to just ignore it. He had just been cheered by the people. Why cause a stir during this time of celebration? But Jesus did what was right instead of what was easy. And as a result of his courage, the people who shouted Hosanna that day would five days later shout crucify him. But wasn't Jesus a gentle lamb? Didn't he welcome all those around him with kind words? Saying, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He is also the lion who chewed out the self-righteous, smug Pharisees. He went off on them seven times saying, Woe to you! 
He called them blind fools, full of greed and self-indulgence, whitewashed tombs, full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. He said, you serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Our lion stood up against wickedness, especially when it was disguised as righteousness, because he's courageous. He does what's right instead of what's easy. But wasn't Jesus the vulnerable lamb of God who agonized in the garden of Gethsemane, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me? Didn't he sweat drops of blood? He's also the lion who stood up when the soldiers and religious leaders came to him. When they asked for Jesus of Nazareth, he didn't cower in fear. He said, I am he. And they fell over onto the ground. But didn't Jesus come to die as a lamb? Slain for us? Didn't he tell his followers the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many? Didn't he hang on a cross and shed his blood as our sacrificial lamb? He is also the lion who on the third day rose again, victorious over death, victorious over our sin, victorious over our lives, so that just as he lives eternally, we might also live in his presence for all eternity. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered. Jesus is the lion. He's also the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the fact is that both of these characteristics required perfect, endless courage. It took courage to be our sacrificial lamb, for the God of the universe to put on flesh and come into his own creation as a child who would be mocked, despised, disfigured, crucified by the very people he came to save. And it took courage for him to be the lion, to boldly teach what is good and call out what is evil, to stand up against the religious leaders, to Satan himself, and to conquer their grip over God's people. Everything Jesus did, he did courageously. He always did what was right instead of what was easy. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David, and he is conquered. You might think, big deal. Jesus is God. It's easy for God to have courage. But it's your sin that he came to conquer. It's the eternal death that you and I deserve that he conquered. Jesus didn't need to conquer anything. It's all already his. He's God. You and I are the ones who needed conquering. We're the ones who are corrupted by our sin, enslaved by our own flesh. We are the ones who are not courageous, not in the moral sense. We're very good at choosing what's easy instead of what's right. We're not so good at choosing right over easy. Jesus conquered for us. He came to set the captives free, to give liberty to the oppressed. 
You see, Jesus is more than courageous. He has conquered. Which means you and I now have courage. His coming to this earth and dying for our sins and rising again, it changed everything for his followers. His disciples, they were wimps the night that Jesus was arrested. They scattered. Peter outright denied Jesus three times. But Jesus conquered. When his disciples saw the risen Christ, they were changed. They went from coward to courageous. In the book of Acts, when the apostles were thrown in prison for refusing to stop teaching about Jesus, the apostles courageously looked at the high priest and said, we must obey God rather than men. And Peter was leading the charge, the one who had denied his Savior, the fickle, temperamental coward, had become a rock full of courage. It is because Jesus has conquered that his followers became courageous. Jesus didn't conquer our sin to let us remain cowards, choosing easy over right. Jesus, Jesus, he conquered our sins to free us from its shackles, to give us life, to give us courage, the ability to do what's right instead of what's easy. It's because of him that we can have courage. The book of 2 Timothy tells us, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. In other words, God gave us the courage to do what's right instead of what's easy. You and I are going to leave here today and go back to our homes And within minutes of walking through our door, some of us will be drawn to choose what's easy over right. Many of us will go to work tomorrow and immediately will be tempted to choose what's easy over what's right. We'll interact with our families, our spouses, our parents, our children, our siblings. And when conflict comes, our inclination will be to do what's easy instead of what's right. But Jesus has conquered our sin. He's conquered our cowardice. He's given us a spirit, not of fear, but of courage. The night that the Titanic sank, the captain of the Carpathia had courage. He steered 60 miles out of his way in the middle of the night through an ocean filled with icebergs, And he saved 706 lives. That's nothing compared to the courage of our Savior. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. Jesus had the courage to do what was right instead of what was easy, always. It brought him to take on flesh and be born that first Christmas day. It resulted in conflict and rejection. It led to his death. And it also brought life for you and me and all of us who have surrendered our lives to him. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, your son came. The lion of
tribe of Judah, the root of David, and he conquered. We thank you, Lord God, for his courage. We thank you for the courage that he gives to us as his children. I ask that you would help us to take courage. Help us to choose right or easy in our lives, in our families, in our homes, in our workplace, with our neighbors, Father. May we have courage to choose right, not easy. Lord, for those who do not know you, who have not encountered the lion, I ask that you would bring them to their knees in fear, in their need for salvation that only your son has brought through his conquering so that they might also experience the courage of knowing the living Savior, the lion of the tribe of Judah. We love you. We thank you for the season where we celebrate your son coming to this earth. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.